0: all right, all right. How's everybody this morning? Good deal. Well, my name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church. It is an honor to get to stand before you today and um, welcome our Facebook Live peeps. We appreciate you guys for joining us this morning. Um, I want to give a shout out to my wife. She's out. uh, Her and my daughter are traveling to Charleston, South Carolina today. They were in Asheville, North Carolina last night and Man, they're just doing a world tour. And uh, anyway, she said, she said, give me a shout out. Here's your shout out. <laughs> I love you, baby. Have fun. You, you girls have fun. Um, with that, um, this at the first of the month, every month, we like to pray over finances because as most of you know, here we don't take, uh, we, don't, we don't pass an offering bucket. We don't pass a plate or anything like that. We believe that your finances that God has given you, that if, if God has given it to you, he'll tell you what to do with it. And if he tells you to give here, give here. If he don't, give somewhere else. Um, you know, I was in the... Tra- uh, Lynette and I traveled and ministered for uh, a few years, and um, those traveling ministers, they don't have weekly tithes and offerings. They, they rely on churches that do have uh, and ministries that do have. Um, weekly tithes and offerings and things like that. So um, if God tells you to give somewhere else, give somewhere else. But God always takes care of us. He's done it for 21 years and uh, it's good. It's good. So the way we do it here, if you want to give here, we've got a a table at the back going out those doors over there and um, you can give there on your own accord or you can go to n3c.tv and give there. But we like to pray over the finances. Those who have given, those who have given anywhere that when you're faithful with your finances, God will be faithful in your finances. Amen? Amen. Um, So with that, you know, the Bible says that God delights in the prospering of his people. He delights in prospering us. What is prosperity? My definition, somebody asked me, are you a prosperity gospel preacher? I said, kind of, not in the way that you're thinking, but I'm a prosperity gospel preacher because I believe that God wants to prosper his people. And prosperity isn't having uh, millions of dollars. Prosperity is having enough to meet your needs and the needs of someone else. Amen. And and having, um, having that capacity to uh, have finances to meet your needs and the needs of other people. Amen? Amen. So with that, I want to pray over you guys real quick. If you're givers, if you're tithers, um, if you're thinking about it, if you're moving in that direction, I just want to pray over your finances. So... Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you do in our lives concerning finances. God, I I know that there's so many scriptures of you taking care of our finances. And Father, there's those scriptures that say we need to take care of um, your people, your ministers. So Father, I just thank you so much for those who are giving, those who have given, and those who are going to give, Father, as we Press into you. I thank you that you prosper us, and I thank you that you bless the finances of every household, of every individual, and every ministry that is represented. We thank you. We praise you for what you're doing, what you continue to do in our financial lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I don't know if you saw the the Facebook post that uh, when we finished up Financial Peace University here a few weeks ago how much debt was canceled in just nine weeks, how many credit cards were cut up. Um, man, it's pretty cool. So if you're on, you follow us on Facebook, You can, or if, you, if, you, um, if, if you're friends of mine, I reposted it. But uh, it's out there, and it shows all the numbers and everything. It's pretty cool. So God cares about your finances. Amen? Amen. Amen. So here's the deal. I have the honor this morning of getting to introduce and, and bring to the stage one of my spiritual sons. He's my spiritual firstborn, mine and Lynette's spiritual firstborn son. And, and um, it, is, it is such an honor to have that. He, how long have you been here with us? 18, 17 years? 17 years. This guy come, he was a wreck when he came. <laughs> he, was, he said, I'm either, I'm either going to die quickly or I'm going to jail. And I need some help. God got him help. You didn't die and you didn't go to jail. And <laughs> you're not going to hell. You're going to heaven when that time comes. But with that, we, we um, man, we just, God just put him in our lives. And, and it, I'm speechless because you're going to get a good word today. So would you all give a welcome to my son, C.W. Wegley?
1: Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Pastor Darren. Um, I'm gonna have to move this back because I like to move a little bit, um, or a lot. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's been a, it's truly been a ride, and um, it's been a journey. And uh, you know, I just I thank you, Pastor and Pastor Lynette for for uh, taking the time and just I mean, you guys have poured in countless countless times, and it's an honor. And and I thank you guys for for giving giving uh me the opportunity as well. You know that I've been up here a couple times, and you ain't wrote all the bad emails yet. You know, and told <laughs> told Pastor Darren keep that sucker off here. You know, um, but no, honestly, it's been an honor walking through this journey with you all. Like seriously, like um, over the last I don't know seven eight months, it's been it's been crazy. I, I feel. Like, I feel like us as a church have been, like, we've been moving. Pastors have been ministering about revival over the last last year. You know, there's been a lot of talk about that, you know. And um, I feel like over the last seven, eight months, like, well, I know. um, I feel like God showed me uh, that, like, our church was under attack. And it has been such an honor to watch each and every one of you guys just start navigating through this. And see, it was in November that um, that Nick Ford was was diagnosed with cancer. Um, there's a couple that lost a baby in November. Like a couple a uh, couple of our uh, family members here at church like got COVID and they passed on. Um, there's there's so many different things happening. And and in December we got together, uh, the worship team and prayer team here at church, and we uh, started praying and mourning for Nick because it was just after his diagnosis. And, and I felt like God showed me. The vision that I seen was that we were moving up as a church up up this hill and there's these dark trees and the enemy was all encamped in these trees. And God said, this is his last call. This is his last stand to try to divide, or to get us off course, to start questioning the truth, questioning God's word. Because he knows what's happening. He knows what's fixing to come. Like he can see it. Like all of us can. And then as the as the last six months went on, we had uh how many was here last week and listened to uh Candace preach? Like awesome word, right? She gave she talked about uh little Sheridan. So we had that going on. I mean it it's it kept going. It wasn't like just November um I see Darren here, he, he was in the hospital during that time, you know what I mean? Like, if I'm, not, if I'm forgetting you, don't, don't be mad at me. I'm just trying to remember, because there's been a lot that's been happening, you know what I mean? And, uh, but here, at the end of April, beginning of May, I started hearing these testimonies start rolling out. Like there, there's huge testimonies. I can't, eat, like, I'm not going to talk about them all because it's their story, and I hope that they have a time to share their story, their testimony. But I'm telling you right now, there's, there is testimonies right now that are turning medical heads, <laughs> medical heads that are saying, in 30 years, I've never seen this before. And then we hear, you know, about Sheridan being, being healed, and she, you know, uh, her organs like was praying like when they went, when she went in for her CAT scan that. That um, that no organs were like permanently damaged or anything like that. And her and organs are perfect, you know? Amen. Amen. And see, the big thing that I remember though too... Oh yeah, let me let me back up one sec. So at the beginning of May, God showed me that vision again. But we're on the backside of the trees. We're almost through. Like we're almost at that brink of that hill the top, the peak, where it's going to start. And we're going to, start, we're going to continue to have these testimonies start rolling out, rolling out of our church. And it's an honor just to be able to walk with, it, walk with this church through this time. I am so excited. But one of the things that I remember too about that night when we was all worshiping with, for Nick and, and Warren for Nick was the heavy burden that was put on my heart for our character to be developed so that we could be able to sustain the revival that's coming. Amen. I wish I would have looked up his name. Now, what was that gentleman's name that wrote that book on fasting that we read last year? Matt? Nope. Um, you you read the book about the blood? Oh, yes. Yeah, Mahesh Chavad, Shav- I think so. Chavad is something like that. Um, I, I'm not super good with English, so with those names, you know what I'm saying. But but, anyways, in that book, he starts he talked about how at his church, like there was about a month, if I, if I remember correctly, that they would walk in and they couldn't walk no further. They'd have to crawl. And it lasted for about 30 days. And then all of a sudden the presence was gone. And he starts asking God, he's like, why? Why did this happen? And God starts showing him that, that it wasn't sustainable. The character, like everybody started getting... You know, getting feeling funny doing this, their character started started uh, flawing a little bit, and it wasn't sustainable. He's like, "Why didn't it end up like the Brownsville revival? Why didn't I end up like Toronto, where they lasted what nine to eleven years?" You know, he said it was unsustainable, and that was the burden that was put on my heart back in December when we was worshiping is is the uh, the ability for our character to be developed into the manner that we could sustain the presence of of the holy God. That we'd be able to sustain the presence of the holy God, that when, like, yeah, we know him as friend, but when his presence is so thick that we fall on our faces, and people say, what? That can happen? Yeah, it can happen. The, The Bible talks about the glory coming with a heavy, like a heaviness, a heavy weight. Turn with, or... I'm going to have you go to two scriptures here, okay? And I'm going to have you put a finger in the first one. So go to Matthew 22. It'll be 34 through 40. And then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13. And while you guys are doing that, I'm going to keep talking here. So what he started showing me during that time as well Is that it has to be sustained in love Love is the thing that has to be That has to get us or that will get us into that presence and stay in that presence And so when I start talking about love like a lot of us probably heard this before But there's four greek words that describes love one is eros and it means sensual or romantic love. Storge, which is love, affection, especially from parents and children. It's like a natural love, right? And then there's phileo, which is brotherly love and friendship. And then there's agape, God's love, love of God, unconditional love, and a pure love. And so I'm gonna try when I read these scriptures, because I've studied them out, because in our in our versions, in our English Bibles, like everything is love, right? But when we start reading the actual like Greek word or the Hebrew word, because Hebrew is in the Old Testament, Greek is in the New Testament. Like if you're if you're looking up words, right? Um, when you start looking those up, it starts unveiling Scripture. It's just not yeah, he loved, yeah, he loved, yeah, he loved. No, there's so much more meaning like behind it because like you might be reading one spot and it says love, but it meant phileo. It meant the brotherly love. But then he turns around and he says agape, right? So I want to try to remember to read these scriptures with agape or phileo where, where it's all talked about. So let's, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, starting in verse one. It says, if I were to speak with eloquence, In earth's many languages and in the the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love. My words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And I just got done saying I'm going to try reading agape and everything. So the, the love here is agape, all right? So sorry about that. Uh, and if I were to be so generous generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of agape, I would gain nothing of value. Love is, or agape is large, and incredibly patient. Agape is gentle. And consistently kind. To all. It refuses to be jealous. When blessings come. Or when when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag. About one's achievements. Nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame. And disrespect. Nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. I want to skip over here to verse 13. Until then, there are three things that remain faith, hope, hope, And love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. You see, he's saying we could have revival here, revival can break out. We could have the presence of of the Holy God so thick in here that we can't even stand up. But if we have no love, we're nothing. We can give tongues, like give, give words of knowledge. And we've talked about that. And it's, it is so awesome. It is so amazing to, to hear God speak to somebody through you. Like at a, at a restaurant or something, God speaks to you and says, Hey, tell this waitress this. And it's nothing that you could have known. It's, a, it's a, either a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy or something like that. It is the most amazing thing to watch their face because they know at that moment they encountered God. But without love, we sound like clanging cymbals. It's unsustainable. Let's flip over to Matthew 22. Starting here in 37. I guess I'll back up here to 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, They gathered together, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said to him, you shall agape the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall agape your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He's saying we should agape. This is God's kind of love. He's saying like, like the brotherly love that we got. Like that, And this is something that when I was uh, studying this out, that one of the commentaries said that phileo love is what most Christian churches have for one another and that they believe that it's agape it's like, oh, man, oh, snap. I just got a sign the other day. My wife posted something on the table and said, oh, snap. <laughs> See, God started talking to me about love back in December of 2014. Because um, I was exactly what... What that commentary we talked about? I'd been going to church for how long? Of whatever that is, uh, 2014, and um, and I had the principles of love, but I was rude. I was mean. Um, I would use the word as a whip because I had I could remember scriptures like I would. God answered my prayers. I mean, I asked him, I said, God, please give me supernatural recall and remember So where, where these scriptures are. One, so that I could share it with others. Two, so that I could uh, apply it in my life. And I did. I actually had like a very good memory. I've, I forgot half of it now. But um, I don't know if it's old age or God just said, hey, you know what? You got my Holy Spirit now. You don't need all that. But, um, but I've, like I would use that against people against my wife, and me and Kirsty's marriage was a wreck. I mean, seriously, like, there was times that we could go three or four days without fighting, but that was because we fought, and we didn't talk for three or four days. <laughs> I'm just being real, guys, like, honestly, like, surely, honestly, like, like, and it was, it got worse when I come, when I started working closer to home, like, I was home every night, and she she was basically like my my hired hand because I worked so much, and, and we didn't know how to live with each other, you know? And I was sick in December just with a cold or something, but it was like, you know, a bad one enough to... You know, I always see those posts now on Facebook of, you know, the women, they're sick, and they're running around helping the, you know, helping the kids, but when the husband's sick, he's laying up in bed. Well, that was me. I was up laying in bed, you know what I'm saying? And... Uh, so anyways, I'm laying there, sick, coughing, all this stuff. And I was like, but it was almost the point where God was like, this is where I need you so that I can speak to you. Because I was quiet besides my coffin. And he says, I want you to start loving Kirsty the way that I love you. I said, what? Don't I already, you know? And I said, okay, then how do I do that? He says, follow me. 2015 ended up being a year where we had to start learning to agape love each other. Like literally our our marriage was just was completely destroyed, completely in shambles, there's nothing left. And he and he completely put it back together and started teaching us how to agape love each other. So it started getting better. You know, like We, our marriage was getting better. My love thing was still like learning to agape, love my wife, but like everybody else was like, hey, you know, don't mess with my family. Um, I wasn't tough in my wild days, but I did like to fight. And so, like, I was always on edge waiting for it, you know what I mean? And um, 2018 hit us, and, and a lot of you guys know. And, and I, sometimes I feel like I'm not even supposed to talk about it anymore because I always hear, but it's a testimony. And it's a testimony that I know others might have gone through. And so um, if you haven't heard it, like here it is. But we, we lost a baby in 2018. And I'm not going to go into all the details with it, but that was a catalyst for us. It, it, we went home to heal from that moment, and we started worshiping God. And we started just worshiping Jesus. Like us as a family, we just sit and worship. I I was on security at that time. I was not on worship team. I didn't know how to play any instrument at that time. Like that was where stuff was birthed, was like worshiping at home, just being healed um, during that time. And I was going back to my wild days, like my mentality of, man, you mess with my family, right? And I knew Satan messed with my family because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I knew, knew enough that God was still God and he was a good God and he didn't take my baby. Amen. So I knew that it was Satan. And I was like, you mess with my family, I'm coming for you. You know that movie, what is it? Uh, Tombstone, where at the end, like Wyatt herbs, like, hey, like... I'm coming back for you and hell's coming with me. Well, guess what? I'm coming for you and heaven's coming with me is my, was my mentality, you know? And I started getting on my face and I was like just praying. I was like, God, like conform me and shape me into what you want me to be. And he said, you want to do that? He says, I want to fill you with love. And I'm like, what? Okay. And he filled me with so much love that I had to step down from security team because I couldn't walk in here and and do what I'm supposed to do. Not saying security team can't can't love, but for me it was a it was it was a stumbling block. I couldn't walk in and just love everybody. I was looking at him like, waiting, hey, I don't know you, you're new, like, hey, you know. Exactly what a security team's supposed to be doing, and, and why they're here is because if we're doing our job, we're supposed to be bringing people in, right? right, right. This is—I wasn't planning on saying this, but—but but, um, I had somebody come back and get me, or come up here and get me, you know, a month ago. And I don't know if the gentleman's in here or not, but like, I love you if you if you are. Um, but when they wanted me to come pray for this guy, and this guy was like, you know, intoxica- uh, intoxicated, and extremely. And I walked up. I walked up to him, and he goes, "You're approaching me. I thought was, I was going to have to defend myself, you know." And I'm like, "No, man!" And like at that moment, like I feel the security team go, "You know, <laughs> just flex, you know." <laughs> and uh, my thing was was, "Yes, somebody loved this man enough to bring him here." Yeah. That was my thoughts. I was like, "I don't care. Whoop me. I've been beat up before." It's okay, but I've never been beat up for just wanting to love you, so I love you. You know what I mean? So that's what, I mean, security team, is that's what they're for, right? But that was a stumbling block for me because I was supposed to be ready to flex and not just love. I was supposed to be on my toes in case somebody come in and, and pulled something, right? We hear about it all the time. I always said that the church is the prey for the predators. They think that we're weak. Not here. So I had to step away from that, right? And so God was just start growing me in love and love and love. And like I started loving people. I start like, and I'm like awkward, like socially awkward, like very bad. Like for me to be up here talking is like very like... Not, you guys are probably like, yeah, I can tell, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it sounds like it's coming out okay, you know? But, but, um, but no, like I start like desiring to, to like speak to people out and out down the streets. Like my heart starts changing for the loss because I got on my face and I asked Jesus to break my heart for what breaks yours. Amen. He starts filling me with just this love. Well, then back in December and January... Me and Kirsty's in a little spat. Like I said, we got a lot better, but we, like I'm a butthead. Like I'm hard to live with. We got in a little spat, right? I'm pretty sure I was, I knew I was right. And I'm getting, I'm getting ready for work and I hear God speak to me and says, you're still not loving her the way that I love you. And I said, what? Like after all this, you're wanting to talk to me and not her. Like go talk to her. Like she needs some love too. You know what I'm saying? And I said, I said, all right. I said, God, tell me, tell me how I'm missing it. He says, you need to love her without justifications. And I said, okay, what, what is that? So he starts showing me how I was making justifications up. Like how I would go to her and like I would repent to her, but I would be waiting for her to be repenting back. And if she didn't, then I'd puff back up. I would come to her and want to love on her, but when she was still mad or upset about something like, then I would be like, all right, well, go on your way then. You know what I mean? Like, I'll talk to you tomorrow or something, you know? (laughs) I had these justifications set up. They were like a fence blocking. And I would go up to that fence and I'd say, hey, I'm sorry. And if she said I was sorry, then I'd open up that gate. You see... We have that all the time. When, when you got that girlfriend that's like, oh man, or boyfriend, oh, that's a one. They can do no wrong. And then they get married. And guess what? You, you start putting up justifications. That person was doing that when you was dating them. But you start having these justifications and you won't love them, right? What about even God? That scripture says that we have to agape God. Do you agape Him? Let me tell you something, when, when my baby, like when our baby, like uh, when our prayers, we prayed for three days that that baby would be raised from the dead. And when that didn't happen, I had to come to a place where I said, I agape you, Lord, you are king. And I remember standing over here worshiping, and during a song, it talked about how his faithfulness, and I remember, and I was like, Yes, Lord, you are faithful. I I had to like physically like say, yes, Lord, and deny my flesh. I've been in that place. So do you agape God? Or do you got justifications? Do you agape his word? Or do you got justifications? Do you got justifications that say, well, you know, I'll do that. But like I don't necessarily know if that other part there is, is really for me. Or like I joked before, I used to joke that I had a black highlighter. Because if I didn't want to hear it, I didn't want to hear it. I don't even know where I'm at. <laughs> Kirstie said, well, you, wanna, you don't want to be tied to your notes. Well, I just want to know where I can come back to <laughs> um So we do that with, with people as well. I've I've seen it like I've had I've had to, now that he's been talking to me about that, like I've seen it when I, I do have the heart to start talking to somebody and pray with somebody, but like, man, you're really not like you're really not like following Jesus. Like I don't know if this is gonna work. Jesus don't care about that. His lo- he loved us be- when we were all sinners. He sent his son while we were sinners. I love to see people get wrecked out when they don't when they're not even believers. See things start happening when there's when love starts ha- starts being in uh, in the play. Love and compassion are things that that just makes the kingdom of heaven come. There's many many scriptures in the Bible where Jesus was talking, or when he was talking about Jesus and he said he was moved with compassion and something happened, a miracle happened, a healing happened. The kingdom of heaven come when compassion was moved, when love was come about. The Hebrew word for compassion is... Rakum, I don't know if I got that. Did I? Ra, ra, rakum. <laughs> and that that scripture means full of compassion, right? Cool, right? But there's prime root words where those words come from in the Hebrew. And the root word for rakum is rakham. That means to love, especially to compassionate, to show mercy. but it's the same word for womb. Compassion, by extension, the womb. Bowels, compassion, tender love, treat tender mercy. When i seen this, I'm like, Ooh. you're telling me, you're telling me that compassion and love is a womb? So you're telling me that your, your word says That the word is a seed, and that faith of a mustard seed will move mountains. And when it's moved in compassion, I'm getting chills right now, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. When it's moved in compassion and love, and you put the seeds together, they conceive a fetus. Life is born. When you see the lost and broken and you take the word of God and you start sharing the gospel because you got faith in the gospel that's going to change this person's life and it's moved into the womb, there's lives changed. When you see somebody that's sick and you take the word of God that Jesus died on the cross and that through his stripes we're healed and you put the faith of the mustard seed with that seed in the womb... Conception is had and there's healing that happens. But see, we we look at things and we're like, well, nothing just happened. But how many of us know that there's different gestation periods for every single thing? There's incubation time. The womb is like an incubator that nourishes and and gives the nutrients for the fetus. But we're like a fast food chain. We just want to drive through the drive through, say a quick prayer and go on. Guys, we have to start activating and germinating the seed of the word of God with our faith in the womb and in the womb will produce revival. And when it's out of the womb at the right gestation time, we'll be able to sustain it. Man, I feel like I'm going to run out of my socks right now and keep my shoes on. I don't even know if that's possible, but the Word of God says that all things are possible and that I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And so guess what? I might run out of my socks because I got the faith of a mustard seed. Oh, man, I'm fired up. I was so excited about when God started showing me this stuff. Woo! See, so many times we're like, how do we get that agape, that agape love? I don't even know where I'm at. I'm just trying to find a scripture. <laughs> Turn with me to John 21. Verse 15. See, we ask, we, we're like, how can we agape love? Because when I when thought about love, I remember when... When Pastor Darren taught um, on the fruit of the spirit, like I would sit there and focus on like, I'd be like, all right, like God developed me in this. And I got so focused because I got so focused on the principle of it. And when I would think about love, like, in the, and I'm like, yeah, I can love, you know, I know how to love this. And especially now, like God's like, seriously, God is like radically changing me in love. Like I when I've been on my face, like he's touched me. Like people that know me very well. Like I was talking to a gentleman just the other day, I said, Man, we can't we can't look at how I used to be. Because God has changed me. Amen. Amen. And I think about and I'm like, I can love. But then when he tells me I still got justifications, I'm like, I gotta need to get my stuff together. How do we do that? Here's a scripture here. In John 21, starting here in 15, a lot of us know this scripture. You know, Peter, I'll, I'll just give a little history. Jesus was talking at the Last Supper about, and it was when he, he said that, when he, how do I say that? When he told who his uh, betrayer was going to be with Judas. And he said, all of you will, will be scattered. And Peter's like, not me. Not me, God. I'm ready to die for you, you know? And he, he had that natural thing, just what I was just talking about, that natural thing. Hey, I can love. I love you enough to die for you. And, he, and that was when Jesus told him, he said, before the rooster crows, he says, you will, uh, you will deny me three times. So now this scripture is known as like the time that Jesus restored, Right? So start here in verse 15, John 21, 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than than these? uh, I need to back up because this is a scripture that I need to definitely read with the agape and the filet, okay? Because we read this and it just says love, 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 right? He says, Simon, son of Jonah... Do you agape me more than these? He said to him, "Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you." So Jesus asked him, "Do you agape me?" He says, "Yes, Lord, I phileo you." He said to him, "Feed my lambs." So he asked him the second time. He says, "He said to him again a second time, Simon son of Jonah, do you agape me?" And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. Second time he asked, Do you agape me? And I'm like, Why is this happening? Why is Jesus asking if he he agapes him? But he's saying, I phileo you. So here in 17 he says, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? Jesus asked the third time, do you fileo me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo me? It, and he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I fileo you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And so when I got, when I, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning one morning with that scripture, and I'm like reading this and reading the Greek and stuff, and I'm like, God, why was you asking, do you agape me? He's saying, yes, I phileo you. And this is a time of restoration, right? And what I feel like God showed me was that in that moment, it wasn't necessarily the answer that he was looking like for was the important part. It was his heart. I feel that Peter walked with such humility at that point that he says, I can't, I can't agape you. Did you see what I just done? I denied you three times. Lord, do you see that I couldn't even stand before the, the people that hated us without denying you? <laughs> I fail you. I need help. He was so humble. He was so just broken at that moment that he's like, I flail you, Lord. I need more. I need you. I can't do this on, your, on my own. I don't have what it takes to sit there and say, I will die for you. The other thing that I thought was so interesting about it was that the third time that Jesus asked, he dropped to Peter's, Peter, where Peter was at. He met him right where he was at. And said, "Do you filial me?" He says, "Yes, Lord, I filial you." So you might be in here today, and you might have a long, dirty laundry list. Guess what? I did too. I still am telling on myself today. I, like I still mess up. But as Pastor Darren said when he was introducing me, like I was a wreck when I come here. Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. He's willing to meet you in the dirtiest, slummiest, worst place that you've ever been. He's willing to meet you right there because he agapes you. It's unconditional love for you. So I want to ask right now, if that's you, if you've never stepped up and said, yes, Lord, I want you as my Lord and Savior. See, Jesus died on the cross for us that all of our sins, all that dirty laundry, would completely be washed away. That through his blood we have redemption. Through his blood we have eternal life. And so if that's you and you've never said that and you've always felt like you, hey, I, I just, I've done too much, I want you to raise your hand. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Come on, I, f- I feel like there's one more. Yeah, I see you. Yes, Lord. The second thing I want to ask is if you had already made that commitment. You've made that commitment, but like it could have even been the fact that you were told, "Hey, you got like do this, say this little prayer." And you got eternal life. But you didn't realize that, that what Jesus did was full redemption of life here. He redeemed us so that we could be with our faith, with, our, uh, with the word, with the seed, that we could be seeing the kingdom of heaven on earth. And we, you just thought that we were like, hey, man, I got the ticket to heaven and you want to fully commit to, your, commit to Jesus, and, and submit all of your life to Jesus, and you've never done that, please raise your hand. See ya. Anybody else? See ya. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yes, Lord. So, Father, I just pray over these guys right now, Father. I pray... That in the name of Jesus, Father God, that they, that you would meet each and every one of them right where they're at, Father. Father, I thank you for their boldness to raise their hand, Father. I thank you for their hearts, Father, to be, to be with you. So, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that they're protected. That the angels are pointed around them and that you would start meeting them in a new, completely new facet. Completely new way that you would start revealing yourself in their dreams, that you'd start revealing yourself to them. That there isn't even a minute of their life wasted that you, wouldn't be, that you would be transforming them in their sleep. In Jesus' name. And so, so, one other thing here. So, the thing about it is, is when, when he was broken and so, like, humble... In that humble place. Shortly thereafter, a couple days, was Pentecost. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter was filled. Romans 5. Romans 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God, the agape love is poured out into us through the Holy Spirit. This thing's attainable. It's fully attainable by each and every one of us. We can can agape people. We can love people the way that God loves them, all through his Holy Spirit. What we have to do is be humble. And say, God, I need more. It's not a thing of I can love. I can't love the way that you want me to love, so I need your help. I need your spirit. And so if you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit and you want filled with the Holy Spirit, today's your day. Can I get you? So. I'm going to dismiss, but if, if you want the Holy Spirit, if you want prayed for with the Holy Spirit, could I get the prayer team up here? We're going to be up here, and I want, we want to pray for each and every one of you that want filled with the Holy Spirit. You want that Pentecostal uh, flame in you. To agape love. For the Holy Spirit to pour that agape uh, love into your heart. Come up here. I don't want to. I don't want to cause big time time frame. So if you got kids, go get your kids. If you still want want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come up here, and then go get your kids. Or if it's taking a while, go get your kids. But uh, do we got? Yeah, sorry. This was terrible closing. But um, anyways, I thank you guys um, so much for everything. I um, hope to see you guys up here. I'd love to pray with you. If you've got other things, uh, you've got sicknesses happening in your body, I'm not joking. i got the faith of a mustard seed, and I know what the Word of God says. So we will put those two seeds together in the womb up here, and we will watch conception happen. All right? So if there's anything else that you need prayer for, come up here, and we'll pray with you. So thank you, guys.